What a sweet presence of the Lord. I want to say welcome back to our travelers. I hope you had a good vacation. Uh, it's good to get away. It really is. It is a good thing to do. But what I have found, <laughs> as excited as you are to get away, it seems like when that's about time is up, you're like, man, I need to get back home. <laughs> I'm ready to get back to my own bed. And we, we just, we are kind of creatures of habit, aren't we? We really are. And, uh, but we appreciate God's blessings and how He's protected you and brought you safely back home. And we thank the Lord for that. If you have your Bibles tonight, would you go with me to the book of Joshua? Joshua. If you are FAC receiving the challenge and call, keeping up in your Bible reading, you should be in Joshua chapters 5 through 8 today. Joshua's 5 through 8 today, but we're going to go to Joshua chapter 1 this evening. Joshua chapter 1, beginning at verse 7 through 9. Joshua chapter number 1, beginning at verse number 7 through including verse number 9. I'll give you a moment, those of you who are turning, uh, to reach that place in our reading tonight. Just excited about the Word of God. I pray God just gives us... Uh, I'm looking for some nuggets tonight. It's already been feeding me. I hope we can feed you. and Together we can just get some good stuff tonight from the Word of the Lord. Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, it reads, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Verse 9, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. You may be seated tonight. The hinges of victory. The hinges of victory. I may tell you out of the gate tonight, you're going to hear the word hinge or hinges. Enough to where when you leave here, you're going to have hinges on your mind. Because our thought is the hinges of victory. Every day we utilize, this is my thoughts and this is my words, not someone else's wrote, so just bear with me. Every day we utilize multiple doors, our bedroom, bathroom, closets, cabinets, and even our automobiles. To list a few, but all these utilize a hinge. They're all attached to a frame that allows movement to go from room to room, place to place. Without hinges, we would be greatly restricted. When it comes to a spiritual application, our successes and victories will be hinged upon our responses to God's Word. I want to read that last part. When it comes to our spiritual application, our successes and victories will be hinged upon our responses to God's Word. We're reminded by the Apostle James 
James chapter 1, verse 22, where he said, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That and is a hinge. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Israel's ability to conquer the land of promise would be hinged upon their complete obedience. How many realize tonight we've got to have not partial, but complete, full, complete obedience to God's word? Their ability to conquer the land of promise would be hinged upon their complete obedience to God's instructions. And I want to focus tonight upon four words in particular tonight. And these words are also hinged, hear and obey. They are hinged. James 1 and 22, we just read how they are hinged, not to be hearers only, but doers. So hearing and obeying also are hinged. It's not enough for us just to hear. We must also learn to obey. And putting them together will bring results that we and God would want for our lives. But there's two other words that are hinged together tonight, and that is believe and trust. How many see and realize the importance of believing and trusting? We've got to first believe and then trust that God is able and will do what he has promised he would do. So we have two passages of Scripture, and I'd like to solicit a couple helps tonight. This has not been given to Brother Joel in the media, but who would like to read for me tonight Hebrews 11.6? I have a volunteer. Someone like to read for me Hebrews 11 and 6? Anybody got a taker? Sister Wills will read for us. And while she's finding Hebrews 11 and 6, I want someone who will volunteer to read us Proverbs chapter 5, or excuse me, 3 rather, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. All right, Brother Wilson's got that. Sister Wilson, when you find Hebrews 11 and 6, would you please read for us? We're talking about believe and trust. And we want to hinge this together. Would you please read for us tonight? Isn't that beautiful? Tonight we've got to realize that God is our only help and source of strength. And we first got to believe that He is. And secondly, when we do, believe that He is a rewarder of them who do what? Diligently seek. Diligently seek. What does it mean to be diligent? Anybody? Dedicated, consistent, determined. We can think of some several words. So we realize what it takes. We've got to have a determination. We've got to have a dedication. We've got to have a mind that's truly made up. Brother Wilson, could you read for us Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Okay, I'm sorry, I thought you was there. But we're talking about believing and trusting, and it takes something on our part. God's not going to do everything. He can. But don't you realize He's asking us to do something? He is. Brother Wilson, could you read for us?
We must trust in Him in all. It doesn't mean just some of the things. How easy is it sometimes to trust in God with the little things? Okay, that's a start. We've all got to trust Him in the small things. That's good. But what about when the bigger things come? You know, that's where it's really at. Most of us in here tonight are capable of trusting God for the small things, those little things. What about those things that are so major to us? Those are the mountains, aren't they? Those are the mountains. But he said, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not. That's what we got to deal with. Lean not to our own understanding. we got to get this guy out of the way. And when we do, God's power, we witness. We see him work. So these words are hinged, hearing and obeying and believing and trusting. They are hinged together, and the word of God points to us. We're reminded of our scripture reading in Joshua 1 and 8, and I want to focus on this part of the verse, to do according to all that is written therein. God has left some instruction. God has left for the church instruction for this very age, this very time that we are in today. God has left you and I instruction, a roadmap, a guiding, uh, a light for us, a path to walk upon. He has not left us unequipped. He has not left us without guidance, but God has given to us a clear path. His path, well, you can read it every day, if you will. You can find direction for life through His Word. He has given us a clear path of direction. And He says, for thou shalt make thy way prosperous. If we want to be proper, uh, prosperous in life, if we want to be prosperous in our walks with God, it's going to be because when we hear the Word, we also apply it and do it. We must do it. The real challenge is not so much being able to hear and remember as it is to be able to do as we hear it. You know, we oftentimes remember when we were children, don't go there, don't say that, better not do that again. What happens when we fail to remember? Some form of punishment is then implemented. Somewhere along the way, instruction is, well, it's clarified. And we all know what it is to be instructed. Every one of us have had instruction from our parents, but we today and here tonight, we are receiving instruction from God through His Word. Sometimes when we teach in the Bible study, the home Bible study, we talk about the dispensation, uh, dispensations rather of time and the time of innocence in the garden. When sin came in the picture, Man was cast out of that garden, that perfect place. He was then put in a position where conscience would lead him. Conscience, man would have a conscience where God would speak to him and, and uh, remind him, hey, you're not doing right there. Remember when God confronted Cain, if thou doest well, if thou doest well. But if not, what did he say? Sin. Mm, sin lieth at the door. Is that not the same for you and I today? I bid to tell you it is. Because when we fail to hear the warning and the heeding of our God through His Word, my friend, God is trying to give instruction. To fail to take instruction means we also are going to face some form of a judgment because of our sin. 
Cain did. He did. He failed to listen, and because he rose up and murdered his own brother, and then a curse pronounced upon his life, he would carry the rest of his life. God would place a mark on Cain. I've always wondered what that must have been. It must have been horrific. God must have put some disfiguring mark on his face. In fact, it must have been so hideous because Cain, when the people see me, they'll want to kill me. And the Bible lets us know God put a mark on him. He put something on him so fierce, so maybe grotesque, so offensive that when people seen him, they probably backed away. You see, there's a judgment when we come and not hear and, and we reject the instructions of God. I would pray tonight that we should not have to follow that, but we can learn through the mistakes of others. We're going to make mistakes, but we surely don't have to repeat those that we read here in the Word of God. We can do better by heeding to the Word of the Lord. So our way to be successful, to be prosperous, we must hear and follow what is written in the Word of God. Israel had something they had to do. They were getting ready to go into the land that God had promised their fathers. Moses had passed off the scene, 120 years old. Moses was, the Bible said, his thinking, his eyes, he was not abated in any way. But God says, your time is up, Moses. It's time for you to join your fathers. It's time for you to go by the way of the grave. And he said, I want you to go up to Pisgah. I want you to go to the top of the mountain. I want you to look out. And you'll, I'm going to let you see it. I am going to let you see it, but you cannot go over. You know, many times I've reminded myself of this. There has been no greater prophet since Moses. None greater. The Bible lets us know. All the things that God used him for and how he delivered God's people, how he stood in the gap for God's people, all the things Moses done, all he endured. Think about it. Let this sink in. All the things this man endured for the call of God. I'm telling you, the Bible even says he was meeker than any man. And he had to be to endure what he did. But church, let us think for a moment here. Hinged on being able to go into the land of promise, virtues only be able to see it, was upon his obedience. The man of God had obeyed Brother Parker everything God had told him. But because a moment of anger, the people would complain so much. And let's be honest, doesn't complaining irritate you? Think about a million plus people complaining nonstop and pointing a finger at you. And you're trying to lead them, help them, and guide them. And constantly all they can do is pick out what you've done. And, and would to God we died in Egypt. Would to God we... And be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. And all the complaining they did, they could not be thankful how God delivered them from slavery. For all God had done for them, how he provided them manna in the wilderness, how he sustained them 40 years and their shoes did not even wear out. 40 years and their clothes did not wear out. Now that is miraculous. That is miraculous. That lets you know how God was with them. But because of their unbelieving hearts, church, they could not enter in. They could not enter in. And because of Moses in his anger, because of their rebellious spirit, their complaining, nagging, constant, instead of obeying and honoring God by speaking to the rock that God would get glory, Moses in his anger, frustration, as he'd done the first time smiting the rock with the rod of God, 
smites the rock again. Yes, God answered. Yes, God brought forth the water because God will honor the man of God. But no matter who we are, when we fail to obey God, there's a judgment that will follow. Moses was not permitted to go church into the land of promise. Oh, how that has spoke to me so many times. A man that had been so faithful, that had done so much for God in obedience and for God's people, yet for one act, one act of disobedience. How should that speak to our hearts tonight, First Apostolic Church? One act of disobedience from the greatest prophet there ever was. He would not be allowed to enter in physically to the land of promise. But God in his mercy. Aren't you glad we serve a God of mercy tonight? Some promises we may not receive, but God makes a promise he will keep it. If we're faithful, he'll keep it to us. Moses was able to oversee the land on top of Nebo, and then his time was ended. Joshua now was leading Israel, and they were getting ready to go and cross. They were coming to the river that would separate them from the rest of the land of promise, that land of Canaan. That land that God said would flow with milk and honey. There would be a land that they would have vineyards they wouldn't have to plant. They were already there. They were already flourishing. Houses they would live in, they would not have to build. God promised them a land of promise and of plenty. But there would be some things that would have to be done. You see, there are things hinging upon our victory. There are things hinging upon the promise we are to receive of God. Too many times we think that we can read the Word of God and, oh, this promise is mine. It is if. It is but. Listen, tonight, we have a stipulation here. It is your promise and it is my promise if I obey God's word. If you and I obey God's word, then it becomes our promise. But if not, don't expect. What does the Bible say about a double-minded man? And let not that man think that he should receive anything of God. So it reminds us tonight, our reception goes along with our action and our belief for us to receive. They were getting ready now to go to that land. They were coming near the Jordan River, and it was time to prepare. One of the first things they had to do, remember, God said, do my law, follow my statutes, obey my law. That's first and foremost for every one of us. Before they could go anywhere, they had to stop at a place called Gilgal. Why? Because during that 40 years in the wilderness, those that were 20 and under, the males had not been circumcised. And because of this, because of this, they couldn't go any further. A lot of times we think, oh, I, I know what's right. I've been born again. I've, I've got this going on. But remember, obedience, as Samuel told Saul, is better than sacrifice. God wants obedience first before sacrifice. And so, going to the word of the Lord, it reminds us that in Genesis chapter number 17, verses 9 and 10, God had made a promise. He had made a covenant and a pact with Abraham. Verse 9, And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou, and, here's your hinge, and thy seed after thee, 
in their generations. Verse 10, this is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you, here's your hinge, and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And so in the wilderness, this had been neglected. And so Joshua chapter 5, verses 7, 9, and 10, we'll read verse 7. And their children whom he raised up in their stead. Who was that? That was the complaining, the doubting fathers that died in the wilderness in the 40 years where they wandered. Their children whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not circumcised them by the way. Verse 9. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day, listen to this, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. How important is it to God to follow? Very important. Remember what Egypt signified and symboled. It was sin. The land of Egypt symbolized slavery, bondage, sin. So the circumcision, God says to Joshua, now I have rolled that away. That is no longer a part of you. That's taken away. And so we see the importance of why it had to be performed. Verse number 9, finishing, it says, Wherefore the name of this place is called Gilgal too. this day. Verse 10, And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept, next, kept the Passover. They kept the Passover. They were required. In fact, the Jews today, the Orthodox Jew today, will still follow the Passover. When God came through that last terrible plague, through all the land, not just Egypt where all the Egyptians lived, but even the part of Egypt in Goshen where uh, the Hebrews lived, that angel of death passed through. And if there had not been the lamb's blood on the doorpost, if there had not been the blood of the lamb applied, my friend, that death angel entered even the house of the Hebrew, and every firstborn would have been slain. You see, because God is not a respecter of person. We all have to have the blood applied. We all have to have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our life. That's why we're buried with him in baptism. That is why we are born again of water and of the Spirit. You don't just automatically receive the Spirit. The Spirit of God comes upon you as it came upon Samson, as it came upon the prophets, and they would prophesy. My friend, we got to get the Spirit of God in us. What does it mean to get it in you? It means you are filled with the Holy Ghost. How were they filled with the Holy Ghost? Go to the example. Go to the book of Acts. They spake with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. There's a teaching today, and it's not Bible-based. It's a tradition of man. You look at history, you can only find those that were filled with the Holy Ghost, they spake with tongues. John was filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. Other than John, you'll read, all were filled with the Holy Ghost. They received power, Acts 1 and 8, after the Holy Ghost came upon them. What was the Holy Ghost? Acts chapter 2, verse 1, read it. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven, like as a rushing and a mighty wind. I heard some, and this is kind of getting off track, but I want to share this with you. I heard recently of a true testimonial. This happened in the 90s. 
And this happened in a little village. I don't remember the place now. I'd have to look. But in a little village, it was in Asia. It was in Asia. It was in Asia. Now I remember the story more clearly. But a brother God had sent to Asia, and there he was sharing the gospel. He had went to a place, and their custom is very strange there, and I, 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 the, it fascinates, fascinates me about history and anything of, of recent or past, whatever, but bear with me. And he said their customs are very strange. If you want to get a church built there in Asia, it's got to be the man that makes the first move. If the woman makes the first move, the man won't follow. He had a room full of men. Women were receiving, but the men wouldn't follow. But he had a room full of men. He was saying how he was teaching to them. And just as it happened in Cornelius' house, as he was teaching, the Holy Ghost fell in that room. Every one of those men, there was about 15 or so, every one of them were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. And what I thought was interesting, what I want to share with you, we talked about the Scripture says about and the Holy Ghost fell like as a rushing mighty wind and sat upon each of them. One of the vi vi uh, villagers come running, and he said, what was that airplane? that We heard something crash. That sound was just like at Pentecost. It was a swooshing that came down when it filled that whole room of those men full of the Holy Ghost. And they marveled. And he said, that, and, and the man, and here's the rest of it, the man was the fireman of the village. He was smacking them. He said, you're on fire. You're on fire. And he was hitting every one of them on the back. It makes me really wonder when we read the Scripture, a lot of times, it's not just symbolized. There is a fire we can't see. But God allowed that man to see it. God allowed that man to see it. So the Holy Ghost experience, also in obedience to the Word of God, it's hinged upon that we were filled. I heard a, a true story and I don't remember the minister that told me now. It's been several years ago. There was a man in the church, man or a young boy. I don't recall which now, but uh, he, anyways, the man was not able to speak. In fact, they, he had no tongue. Had no tongue. How many believe the Scripture which says, with God, all things are possible? All things are possible. He was coherent. He understood. He had comprehension. He heard the message. He heard that you had to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Brother Willis, you often quote, without the Spirit of Christ, we are none of His. And he heard that message, and he had such conviction, but he had no tongue. But the preacher said God filled him with the Holy Ghost. The only time he has ever spoke, he spoke with tongues. He had no tongue. You say, I don't believe that. With God, all things are possible. And if you can't believe that, my friend, you can't believe the Word of God. Therefore, if you can't believe, you can't please God. If you can't please God, you won't be saved. For with God, all things are possible. The Holy Ghost is vital. Let's go on. But in this wilderness, they had to be circumcised before they could even come any closer. They were circumcised. They honored the Passover, and then they were ready. The priests then were ready to go before them, and the journey would begin. I want to share some more with you. I'm trying to move on tonight. I know the time's getting late. But tonight, in the word of the Lord, I want to read for you in the book of Joshua, again, chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. 
There were some more commands. There were some more things, instruction. There was a battle plan. In verse number 3 of chapter 6 of Joshua, And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. You see, then he said you must do it six days. A, ye men of war first go. B, go around the city once. And C, do it six days. We're going to go through the alphabet tonight, so bear with me. We're talking about that hinge that makes the difference. Verse 5, And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, H, all the people shall shout, I, with a great shout. There's your hinge, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall send up every man straight before him. You see, they obeyed, and on the seventh day, Brother David, they marched around six times on that seventh day. But then they came to that seventh time. They were instructed to be quiet. That would be hard for some of us to do. <laughs> Don't say nothing. I won't call na no names out. You know who you are. We know who we are. <laughs> It'd be hard for some of us to be quiet, wouldn't it? It would. But he said, you be silent. Don't you say anything. He said, and on that seventh time, you go around. Priests, pick up them trumpets. Put them to your lips. And you begin to blow. And when the priests begin to blow the trumpets, Joshua said to those men of war, shout with the shout, that shout of victory, because God will give you the city. And my friend, when the trumpets were blown, and when the men began to shout, you see, it was hinged upon obedience, and then they followed through that obedience, and God, with His power, He came through and turns the wall of Jericho, the city, the Canaanite city, the greatest of all the Canaanites. God would prove his power to the greatest of them. I'm coming for you and I'm going to destroy you. God will not tolerate sin. He will not, cannot tolerate sin. It's time to stop candy coating. It's time to stop covering up. It's time to quit saying all oh, the little harms. It'll be okay. No, it won't. Remember the little foxes destroy the vine. Remember it's the little no-harm things we think that add up, that kill us. And before we know it, we have lost our place in God. Once again, going back to James, hearer, doer of the Word. God gave them a great victory. But he also said some other things. The Jericho city is cursed. It's cursed. They were to go through and to slay all. It seems kind of cruel in our thinking, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It does. But you know God's ways are far above our ways, and we cannot understand. Let me ask you a question. What's more cruel? To allow sin to corrupt you and cause you to go to the lake of fire and burn throughout eternity? Or to kill sin and be saved? 
Think about that for a moment. The reason God was driving these people out because they were given to gross immorality. The Canaanites were the most heathenistic, immoral, paganistic. If you've ever studied, very immoral. This was their chief city, Jericho, their stronghold. God saying, I'm going to prove my power. We've got to obey the Lord and His Word. And when we are willing to obey Him at His Word, He will show His power. He will prove Himself. He will take care of you and I. He will take care of His church. But He needs our obedience. He needs us to not be only hearers, but doers of His Word. And so, there was a man whose name was Achan. We know what happened. He had partaken of the accursed thing. The gold, the silver, the brass, those things were to be dedicated to the treasure of the house of God. They were cursed not for men to take for themselves. He not only took some silver and gold, he took Babylonian garments, he buried, hid under his tent. Can we think for a moment, is sin really worth it? Because that man, his sin, caused about 30-something men to be killed in a little city called Ai. 30-something men lost their lives for one man's sin. But it only gets worse because when God has them to come by their families and they narrow it down to the tribe of Judah and then down to the very man, Achan. Joshua says, give the Lord praise. You can't praise God over sin. You can't praise God over sin in your life. You can't even put on a good front Friend, let me tell you, we've got to make sure we keep our hearts right. And the only way I know it is obey God's Word. We've got to obey God's Word. And so, because of this man's sin, Brother Keelan, it cost not only him, his wife, his children, all of his animals, his flocks, his herds, they stoned every one of them to death. God said, you have troubled Israel. Joshua said and reiterated, you've troubled Israel. Why have you troubled Israel this day? They were stoned with stones, burnt with fire, and heaps of stones were mounted upon them. Why? To be a reminder. The wages of sin is what? That's what the Word says. And so we realize that victory and defeat are hinged upon how we obey God's Word. That's how we obey God's Word. I want to share a few more scriptures before we close tonight. You see, this battle that we are facing is no different, really. We are facing a true battle today. Our Christian faith, our rights as believers, we're being challenged every day. Do you realize that? You're being challenged. Laws, people, society, it's come against God's Word. Hell knows it has a very short time, and it's increased its efforts. Do we cower? Do we give up? Do we quit? I hope not, because if we are ashamed of Him, He will be ashamed of us. No, we must stand. So, how has God helped us? How does help? How does God help us hinge our battle plan for us today? 
In Matthew 6.33, we often quote this verse. This is our part, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And here's our hinge. And all these things shall be added unto you. That's God's part. That's God's part. 1 Corinthians 15.58 Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, our part, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that, and this is God's part where it hinges, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why? Because God has a reward. God has a reward. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without what? Without wavering. Here's your hinge. Our part, hold fast. His part, he is faithful that promised. God, he is faithful that promised. Matthew 25, 21, his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Our part, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Hinging part, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. You see, it's all hinged upon us in our obedience and what we're willing to do. I want to close with this verse tonight. The book of James, chapter 4, verse 8. We've quoted so much, but how true it is. Our part, draw nigh to God. Hinge, and he will draw nigh unto you. But the verse also says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. God wants us all to be clean. We've got to be honest with ourselves and honest before God. We've got to spiritually wash our hands, spiritually wash our face, and we've got to have hearts that are clean. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and double-minded. It's time to get to the Word and the Word only, the Word of God. It's time to get away from traditions of men. It's time to get away from what the world thinks. My friend, let me tell you something. If you cannot find it right here, then I would put a check on that. I would be really careful. If I cannot find it here, I would be very careful. But if I can find it here, there should be no mistaking. One Lord, one faith, and one baptism who died for us at Calvary, Jesus who is same yesterday, today, forever. My King, my God. Oh, He's our King. Could I get you to stand tonight? Our